focusing on how God made us. We're focusing on what God has created for us to consume, not what society tells us truth is, and specifically not what society tells us is true about ourselves. Divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Welcome, and thank you for joining Biblical Anatomy. Excited to have you here. And today's our first example of where we have an interjection of a topic. I've been asking for topics that you as the listener may want to hear. And we have the topic of supplements. And every time I discuss this in a lecture, we have a fantastic discussion on it. And I find that there is a lot of misunderstood aspects around supplements. And so we'll clear those up and certainly provide our opinion and hopefully guide you in the correct way there. This question is perfectly timed. We've already talked about carbohydrates. We've talked about proteins and we've talked about lipids. So today we can simply add to that and spend most of our time discussing uh, whether we should be taking supplements or not. I have a few brands that I do take and I can recommend to you. And uh, apart from that, I will share my thoughts and feelings on the subject. So we thank you for joining Biblical Anatomy, where we offer vulnerable and transparent lessons tailored for homeschool, gap year, and college students. We would like to start asking for prayers as we build Biblical Anatomy Academy. We're aiming for a January launch, and we'd also encourage you to send us any prayers that you have. And you can do that through the email of prayers at biblicalanatomyacademy.com. Today, we're going to discuss supplements and specifically a balanced diet and how supplements may or may not fit in to that. With our continued work towards our January launch, we have updated our mission statement and we have made it concise between both podcasts because both podcasts exist under the same umbrella. Mondays, this show, we release Biblical Anatomy, the Biblical Anatomy podcast, And on Wednesdays, we release Discipleship Conditioning, the Discipleship Conditioning Podcast. But again, both fit under the umbrella of Biblical Anatomy Academy, which is our business. So again, prayers for that. And if you have something that you would like our family to pray on, we would love to hear that for you. So our updated mission statement is we are dedicated to equipping Christian homeschool gap year and college students who seek to understand their biblical anatomy to connect science with scripture so we can better love the Lord our God 
understanding his handiwork in our lives. For those of you that have been listening for some time, there's some familiarity there. We've certainly taken some pieces of previous mission statements and put it all together as we continue to mold this business like a ball of clay. And so we're not totally revamping everything that we do, nor will we really ever, but we're always going to modify and make sure we're serving as best as possible. And poss- a big portion of that, I should say, is ensuring that those that we're aiming to serve know who they are. And so again, with homeschool, gap year, and college students, we're building classes that are going to best serve that level of intellect from about age 14 at the youngest to about age 24. Certainly there will be people outside of that that want to understand more on how science connects with scripture and specifically how their body is biblically based. And we welcome those individuals, but that is what we're gearing towards and what we are aiming to develop curriculum based for. We'll start off with our story today. This goes back to probably 2012, 13 ish. And uh, at that time, I can't remember exactly my weight or uh, where I was at. I was probably right around the 200 pound mark. And as I've said in previous podcasts, I graduated high school at 115 pounds. So 200 pounds was quite a leap in about, what would that have been? 10 years, about 10 years from high school till 2012, 2013. And uh, so I was very invested in the supplement industry and using quite a few supplements over those 10 years to get me to where I was. And at that time I was re-enrolling in school I was a college student at the age of 26, 27, and uh, learning all this stuff from a scholastic point of view for the first time. And a really popular supplement at that time was known as Craze. Now, to my knowledge, the pre-workout and probably other products as well still exist today. Um, But at 2012, 2013, they were the fastest growing, most popular pre-workout that was out there. There literally was a craze about craze. I remember everybody talking about it and they said, you have to get this pre-workout, it's the best thing ever. And so I bought it and tried it and I I felt this immense focus and nothing like I'd ever felt before, pre-workout or otherwise. And for me, it was almost a little too much and I had some other pre-workouts that I enjoyed and so I stuck with them for the most part. I had friends that really liked Craze, and so I'm pretty sure I gave the rest of my bottle away, if memory serves correctly. Went about my business not really thinking anything about it, and it was later in the year, and perhaps even into the next year, 2014, that it came out that uh, the, the brand was under sort of scrutiny because someone had sent in a sample to the lab, and it was found that there was Adderall-like or methamphetamine-like substances. And through the reports that I saw, it was never super clear to what that substance that was found was, but it was clear that the makers were trying to put something in that set it apart, that sort of gave a oomph to it, if you will. And they certainly accomplished that, but they did it in a way that um, defied what was being transpired to the consumer on the label. Which brings me to my first point with supplements along with this story, and that is what you see is not always what you get. When you look at the supplement and you 
turn it around and you look at the nutritional label or the supplemental facts, they are not required, at least to this point, 2023, the recording of this episode, and they haven't been for quite some time, to actually state what is on there. Oftentimes, you're seeing a little bit less of it because supplement companies are sort of zigging when we're zagging, but you'll see sometimes something along the lines of proprietary blend. When you see proprietary blend, it's a fancy way of stating that they don't really have to tell you what's in there, it's their own proprietary blend. And so they'll say that it makes up a certain percentage of the product, but it's sort of their secret, if you will, on how it's created. It's like a recipe that won't be handed from generation to generation because it's a secret recipe or a fast food company that makes a burger a certain way and they won't share the recipe because it's a secret recipe sort of thing. Um, So to my knowledge, that is still very much a thing and is something that has steered me away from supplements over the last 10 years or so since about this time. For me, when this came to be, it marked a point in my life where I had a fair amount of trust for the supplement industry and that would mark the beginning of a time when I would lose that trust with the supplement industry. So now, do I take supplements? I do, but they are through companies that I trust because I know there's research in it and that they are transparent with what is exactly in there. So they are going a step and beyond what they're actually required to do. But again, as of this recording 2023, Note that supplements are not required to do that. And so you are taking a big leap of faith consuming something that they're not telling you on the bottle exactly what you are consuming. And that's a scary thing, a very scary thing. And as I age, something that becomes scarier. Now, granted, at 20 years old, I wasn't really concerned with it. But also as a 20-year-old male, you think that you can walk through fire and you're going to survive. You don't think anything can hurt you. So... A tale of caution for those that are interested in supplements and also a tale of academics to further help you research uh, what you're getting into. Now, we'll continue talking about this a little bit later, but let's recap what we've talked about in previous weeks with carbohydrates, proteins, lipids, and then we'll add vitamins and minerals to that. So what is the role of a carbohydrate? Why do we want carbohydrates? And more importantly, why do we not want to rid our diet of carbohydrates? The correct answer to that would be that they act as our primary fuel source. So if you rid the body of carbohydrates, you have to find an alternative method of fueling the body. Now, the body's not in the business of just giving up and dying, and so the body does that. If you've ever heard of the ketogenic diet, it's a diet that forces you into what's called ketosis, which is a medical condition And it is stimulated by having carbohydrate levels generally under 50 grams a day, sometimes even to the extremes of under 10 grams a day, depending on the protocol that you find online. So for one, the protocol that you're finding online is encouraging you to enter a medical condition known as ketosis, which may or may not be something that the body withstands person to person. With the assumption of perfect anatomy and physiology, The body should be able to withstand that, but nobody on earth has perfect anatomy and physiology. We've all put our bodies through something, so it's a very scary thing. Um, And two, what is the actual fuel source, sort of the alternative fuel, is what's known as ketone bodies, which are essentially fake carbohydrates. 
So even in that instance, the body is trying to create as close to a carbohydrate as it possibly can. So as I will continually say, my advice, not being a nutritionist, but being a strength and conditioning coach, someone with doctoral, master's, baccalaureate experience, who's taken many nutrition classes and many exercise science classes, would be to keep things in balance and use things as God created them not to rid our bodies of the carbohydrates that God has created. Now, I could get on a tangent here and say that sugars are bad, but with that, we would probably need an entire another podcast episode, certainly in a lecture, a class that we would have on Biblical Anatomy Academy. I would go into it further. But sugars are often misused. That word, at least, is misused. We need to be more specific with what we're talking about. And generally, when people say sugars, they're talking about glucose. And glucose is God-made. It's not bad. And it gets people thinking that they can't have bananas. It gets people thinking that they can't have simple fruits and things of that nature. So we really need to be careful with that. But the rest of that tangent for another day. Let's recap proteins. What are proteins for? If you recall, they act as our primary building materials. They also serve as an instrument for chemical digestion and all sorts of different enzymatic processes in our body. Anytime you hear enzyme, that enzyme is a protein. For instance, if we go back to carbohydrates, an example of a carbohydrate would be lactose, which is a disaccharide or a double carbohydrate. What's the enzyme that takes care of lactose? It's lactase. And if I miss, miss said lactose for lactase before, I apologize. Those are easily confused. Uh, I'm not sure if I did or not. But lactase is the enzyme that breaks down lactose. So lactose is the carbohydrate. That enzyme that is required to break that down is a protein. So one, we build up structure, muscles, cartilage, bone. We have our connective tissues otherwise being protein-based. We have, uh, and not as much bone, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. We have our um, enzymes also being protein-based, okay? So proteins are incredibly important. And to my knowledge, I've never heard of a diet that is lacking in protein. And I don't suspect we ever will because clearly it would not work well. Maybe I'll be surprised. We can talk on that then, but to this point in time, I haven't seen a zero protein diet, and I don't think I ever will. Next, we have lipids. Let's recap them. What are lipids primarily for? They are to act as our primary storage reserves. So we have adipose tissue on our body, and we can utilize that adipose tissue in events where we're highly aerobic or in events where we're in a starvation situation. Our body is convinced that tomorrow we will be on a deserted island. So anytime we acquire excess calories, whether they be lipid-based or anything-based, we are going to convert them as much as possible into this adipose tissue. They also act as hormones for a number, including steroids, which are also lipids, and bodily protection within. So you, you don't want to get down to a real low percentage body fat because... Body fat protects your eyes within your otherwise hard skull. It protects your visceral organs against potential blows. 
It even helps regulate a menstrual cycle. So if you are a woman and your body fat percentage drops below about 18%, 17%, percent specifically depends on the person, but if it drops around that ballpark or below, the menstrual cycle will cease. And it's a way of the body actually shutting down something that is not absolutely essential to survival, which should throw a red flag in things that if your body fat percentage is so low, it can't support a physiological process and something that is God made, something that is ordained, something that is supposed to occur, there's clearly an issue, but often in our twenties, especially we don't look at it that way. We're more concerned with what society teaches us in terms of our body image. Now, again, I've stumbled upon a topic that could be a whole nother podcast. It could probably be 10 different podcasts. It could probably be its own show. And so I won't go down that rabbit hole, but we're focusing on how God made us. We're focusing on what God has created for us to consume, not what society tells us truth is, and specifically not what society tells us is true about ourselves. We all know that we're valuable because God tells us we're valuable in the Bible, his word tells us we're valuable. We then get to vitamins and minerals, which we haven't talked much to up until this point. What they do is they act as bodily function mitigators. So essentially they extrapolate processes or they help with the efficiency of something. They relate with every system. A prominent one that is discussed is the immune system. They help with wound healing and those sorts of things. They don't have a caloric value. And so they're not often considered in many regards because We're so focused on calories in versus calories out and body composition. They also, as I mentioned prior with protein and bone, act as the main building blocks for bone. Bone also has collagen, which is a protein, as mentioned before in the protein section. But with that collagen to provide a certain rigidness to the bone in in semi-level of flexibility, We have calcium, we have magnesium, we have phosphorus, we have all these things that are mineral-based that are stored within bone to provide us, one, a storage site for these minerals because they're so critical, as well as a place where we can actually provide structure to our being the way God designed us. We then have vitamins like B and C that are water-soluble vitamins. Those go basically through us when we have enough, which is why when you see an energy drink that is pumped full, or a supplement pre-workout specifically that is pumped full of B and C that your urine actually changes colors because you don't need all that. It's simply going right through you. Then you have the more dangerous vitamins, A, D, E, and K, dangerous because they can reach levels of intoxication. What do I mean by that? Well, they're all fat soluble. So they're going to go to your fat cells and they are going to be sequestered or accepted or hoarded by those fat cells. And you can reach a point of intoxication where there's too much of those. Again, those were vitamins A, D, E, and K. So you wanna be more specific with what the recommendations are for vitamin A, for instance, because you can go too far. Vitamin B and C, there would be less of a concern. You still can reach too much, but there would be less of a concern because your body could metabolically dismiss it or release it through urine. So there's vitamins and minerals. And finally, we get to the last category, which are supplements. Now, supplements can be carbohydrate-based. 
They can be protein based, they could be lipid based, they could be vitamin based, they could be mineral based. But everything that we've talked about to this point is with the assumption of whole foods. And when we're talking about whole foods, whole foods are always better than supplemental form. Let me give you an example. If I am done with a, with a workout, I have finished my last press, whatever it is. I have about 30 minutes to consume roughly 30 grams of protein. Now that number varies. If you're smaller, it may be 20 grams. If you're larger, it may be four, but generally most people can't handle about 33, 34, 35 grams all in one sitting or more at a time. And so generally 30 is a fairly safe number. And so you see this is a big concern for bodybuilders. So you have this clock, if you will. So what do most bodybuilders and people who are concerned with this clock do? They consume a protein shake to make sure that they're getting their number they should. Oftentimes that protein is rated at something higher than 30 grams of protein. Oftentimes the consumer is putting two scoops in rather than one because two is better than one, right? This, this obviously isn't the case. And this ends up putting a higher stress on your digestive system to consume all this when it can't handle this to begin with. You then put a potential stress on your liver and kidneys because of the denaturation, uh, denaturing of proteins. And it's just not worth spending money on. What you would be better served doing is eating like a 10 ounce steak directly after your workout. Now, whether you can consume a 10 ounce steak or not within those 30 minutes, is subject person to person, but if you can do it, you're talking a whole food versus a supplement, and you're better off with the whole food. Pre-workouts are its higher another category of supplements that are very dangerous. Go back to the story that we mentioned in the beginning on what can be included that is not mentioned that it's included, but it is. I use two different pre-workouts. They're both by the same company. And I feel that they are very cautious and very transparent with how they are manufactured and what is included. They are made by a company called Build Fast Formula. One is called VasoBlitz and the other one is called FullBlitz. Essentially, the main difference is FullBlitz has caffeine, VasoBlitz does not. So personally, I consume VasoBlitz on all my workouts except for leg day and I use FullBlitz. I try to use caffeine sparingly. I don't want to become tolerant of caffeine to where it no longer has an effect unless I double the dose. I want to use it wisely. Okay. So since for me, leg day is the most difficult, I will save it for that day. It will reduce pain because it blocks pain receptors and it will thereby let me get through the discomfort of leg day with a little more ease than it would if I didn't consume it. And frankly, most of the pain associated with the other workouts that I do, I enjoy. And so I don't need the caffeine as a pain blocker. It's actually considered a performance enhancer from this regard. And so some organizations actually will say that you can't have any caffeine content whatsoever in order to be able to compete in that specific event or meet or whatever the case is. So it's important to remember with supplements, not saying that you can't have any supplements in your cupboard, but they better have a specific purpose. You, you must admit to yourself that you can't consume a 10 ounce steak in that amount of time, 
or you can't consume six hard-boiled eggs in that amount of time. Understanding that that would be a better route to go. But since you can't do that, whether it's gastrointestinal issues or whatever it may be, you're then taking a supplement, which is an inferior product, often at a higher price. Okay, It's interesting when we pay this $50, $60 for this pre-workout and our urine changes color, some of that cost came through the body and now exhibited as expensive urine, essentially. So we have to really consider the the reward versus the price, and, and obviously not just a monetary price, but what's occurring in our body. And if we don't go to the level to research each ingredient that was used within the product, assuming that they actually tell you what is in the product, how are you to know the effect other than after the effect? Take it, and this is how I feel. And if you take something that doesn't mix well with your current condition, it may be too late to report how you feel afterwards because there could be a bad reaction that occurs. So supplements need to be well-researched and they need to be taken inferior to whole food. Again, for reasons that I've already stated. Most people will not go through the research necessary to ensure what they're consuming is safe, which is why I recommend two products from the same company that I have researched and I feel are safe for most people. I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't tell you what populations of people they're not safe for, but as a late 30s, early 40s male, um, I've used them with great success. So maybe something you might wanna look into. I'm not saying they're the only supplements out there that are worthwhile, but they have benefited me. Just do your research is what I'm saying. For me, the best thing that you can have for a pre-workout is glucose. It's actually the one, depending on the intensity of your exercise, it's the one time a sugar or a simple carbohydrate would be a good thing because you're going to utilize it during your training. Again, depending on the intensity, a five minute workout, you don't need much sugar. But if you're going on a marathon run, you may actually want to have a Gatorade or something like it with you to keep your sugar reserves uh, to a heightened state where you need them in that event. As we conclude the show, we remind you that we are self-sponsored. Biblicalanatomy.com is our website. Please go there if you're interested in things we've spoke to, whether course-based or podcast-based. We have our two podcasts that we've already mentioned, and we fully encourage you to email us. I mentioned the email for prayer requests earlier. There also is an email for this specific podcast in the show notes that we would love to discuss any of this that we've talked about with you. Your feelings, uh, or if there's another topic that you want to speak to, we would love to hear from you so that we can gear that in next week's episode. Our take-home message for today is that supplements can be quite enticing. I've been there. I've taken my fair share. But the truth is that a balanced diet of whole foods will always serve as a physiological amplifier better than supplements. And as we wrap up, let's conclude honoring God with the Lord's prayer as we always do. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen.